0: Hi, hi, here. Welcome back to the Stalkers Engineering Pod. Um, it's been a while. An episode was meant to drop earlier, but this week has been one for the books. Anyways, um, thank you for listening to all the previous episodes, and uh, let's talk about what we're here for. So today, this week, we will be discussing about building and its. Re- it's in regards to reverse engineering products that currently exist so i'm going to start from a very simple project i'm not going to i'm going to be reverse engineering a bank maybe not yet but um, i'm going to explain what led to what led to uh, me building out this product so to, before i give a backstory. What we are reverse engineering is the famous stand-up lead, Slack bot. Right. So um for those who don't know what stand up bot does, it is a it's, it's a bot on Slack that asks three basic questions which regards to stand up. Uh the questions are what did you get done yesterday? Um what do you plan on doing today? you have any brokers and at the end of each um at the end of each collection time frame it provides a summary in the announcement channel right so that's like the easiest broken down version of what stand up leaders does so backstory right the world is undergoing an economic reset so people who would justify paying, let's say, ten dollars a month, Nigerians. To be honest. When you put Africans with bad local currencies like the naira, who could justify paying ten dollars, eight dollars a month for Stand Up leave and still pay for server costs on their areas, on their different uh, projects that they have going on? I had to reconsider, or have been reconsidering um external cost and how to cut them. So um stand uply the the bot has been used by I would assume it's used by a lot of people over the world and where I work has also been used in the past. So there was a conversation on how we could build us and the minute the conversation happened I went into work. So that, that's the backstory. Now let's go into the engineering aspect of the pod. So the, the most important things that were of concern for me was how to get information from Slack and how to process them. And the proof to us that Slack is a well-thought-out product, they, they already had provisions for some of these things, for a lot of these things, in fact, for all of these things. The most important thing for the bot process is to create a bot on um, Slack's, Slack's um, bot platform. So it gives you a token, allows you to decide the scopes on which your bot can work or miss to function. Um, Slack already provided a third party application, yeah, a package rather, not a third party application, a package that had all the calls that I might have to make via HTTP over um, with just simple lines using like SDK APIs. Um, so Slack like had done a lot of the heavy lifting in terms of um, the packages I was going to use to make the 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 HTTP calls the um scopes that need to be set for the bot all this were done on the on the app aspect of Slack then it was time for rebuilding and the issue with building a reverse engineering product is I think you can only assume especially when the code base is not open source it is open source I don't think you to reverse engineering they're just adapting what exists to your use case but in this case i wasn't doing any reverse engineering i wasn't doing any um adaptation to, to, to fit my use case i was building everything from scratch so um well not from scratch in terms of slack slack contributions but um in terms of my server everything was from the ground up so um the next thing that I needed to do was recall all the aspects of which the ease of which um messaging stand-up bot had been implemented. So I had two iterations of the stand-up report. I'm going to start from the one that failed and how that's brought me to the final version that works. Um so The first thing I thought of doing, the first thing I did was after setting up the slash commands, they created the endpoints that that Slack calls. So, okay, before I go any further, there is, uh, in the show notes, you will see a Slack diagram or a Slack bot diagram that kind of explains or shows you the kind of um the overview of what I'm going to be discussing about. It shows you the communication between the actor and Slack and how the the how Slack release the information to my server, how my server processes it and decide what happened next. Uh so right, so moving on and I think if I can recall where I was, I think I was talking about how um from the ground up. So this the first version I did, right? Using the way Slack, the standup playbot work was, was a knockoff. So this is the way standard reports works, at least from my experience. So it, there, there are two ways to trigger the up. There is the automated standup that happens for everyone across the organization in Slack. And there is one way you trigger it yourself with the slash command. So I was going for the one that was triggered with the slash command first which is the actual proof of concept before working on the automated aspects. So for the slash command, after um, Slack calls my server, the first implementation I had sent the payload from Slack to a cron job. And what the cron job, the job of the uh, of that actual cron function was to send a message to Slack listen for response and then if there is a response in I think the time frame I did was like four minutes. Um if it's a response within four minutes. I, I had a counter so there was like a for loop and a time slip of one second to simulate um um an actual clock. So if I wanted two minutes I just do one twenty seconds with the slip of one second in between so for loop counts over a range of 0 to 120 with a slip of one simulating two minutes. And within those one second, there was another function that was listening to a store to check if the data had been dropped there. Now, now that I've mentioned this for the store, let me speak about how I thought about storing inf- messages from Slack. So when a Slack bot sends you a message, or sends a message generally, and you respond. the out of the box, the information doesn't get back to your, to your, to your bot unless you actually decide to process it. And how do you decide to process it? Slack made provision for that. There is something on the Slack platform called the events. Now, what event does is it, it, it um, streams every like response that maybe pertains to the bot um, that actually pertains to the bot back to your server so if you implement that and you send a message and your bot sends a message and you respond to the bot the message of your response will be sent back to the server so that also has to be implemented and there is an event um, portion to Slack um, that can help you out with that, setting everything up. You just need to create the endpoints, accept the request body. The request body comes as a JSON. And in JSON, you have all the information you're interested, like the text, the, the author, of the text, the timestamp, and stuff like that. So um, how did I store this information? Because it was very important, even from the get-go that I realized that with each message being sent, if I didn't store it, i lose it. And the most, the easiest thing, which was also stupid in hindsight to do, was to just directly like store it in a database. I didn't consider that because I felt it was a waste of, it was always going to lead to a waste of, um, writes so i was going to do a lot of writes then if the old process the old standard process fails the smart thing to do will be deleting the free writes because it wasn't completed so and i felt like that was a lot of moving parts to just storing data of storing data that um is not yet complete then i resolved to using the cache so the idea of caching is probably uh the definition is well not the definition my explanation of caching would I would say that um this is when data is stored in in, a, a, in an easily retrievable um storage such that every time you need to fetch a particular resource you don't necessarily have to make calls to the database if that data is already in the store a very good example of where caching can be used is um well caching cdn where it can be used is in places like spotify where um a very good example if you're nigerian is um okay we just dropped the music let's say um odomodo black just dropped the, the song and you want to listen to it, Spotify can decide to make the this song available in the cache for immediately for, like West Africans or for Nigerians, because a lot of people are going to attempt to listen to that song. So rather than always querying the data store, the real data store to fetch the data, fetch the song, and then start streaming it the minute somebody asks for it. They might keep account on it. Okay, one person asked for it. And maybe they have a threshold of once 10, maybe 10, 20 people ask for it. And the date this information was created is between the last maybe 42, uh, 42 doesn't sound smart. Uh, last 48 to let's say 96 hours, move the information to a cache such that, or delivery network such that every time any new person comes for let's say the next 24 hours this stuff is available so if every time let's say people keep the, the volume keeps coming now this is me just explaining none of this is i've never seen spotify's code base but this is what i assume could be there and this is informed by some level of system design um so that's an example of how caching can work can work another thing is um Yes, I think we discussed about this in the previous episode where I was talking about how we can retrieve um, the to-do list for a particular person and store it, especially if the person is not actively always creating, like, to-dos. Maybe the person has created, on Monday person created for the week. So instead of, and you can just make a call. Maybe every, the cash leaves for 24 hours. On a tuesday or maybe six hours on a tuesday the person comes to the office i wants to check what he has to do today makes a call and start attending to it then let's say by midday the person wants to check the cache check their um to do's again without creating anyone then instead of um instead of querying the database we just retrieve it from the cache so that's another example how cache can you can be used so how I used the cache for this was through the implementation of Redis. And what I did was um for every member on Slack there is a there is a Slack ID. Yeah. Everything has an ID, the channels have a, have an ID, users have an ID, bot have an ID. So what I did was I used um the ID of um of the user as a key then I also use the questions that were sent. I converted the questions into an hash map or is it a hash map Damn. uh I converted that to a hash map uh a or if you're conversant with Python a dictionary where the um the string of the question is the key and the value the index in another array, so I had two data stores. I had a question, so data structure rather. I had a question dictionary and I had a question array or list. So in the question list, the questions from the first to the last, which I think I've mentioned before, is okay, what did you get done yesterday? Um, what do you plan on doing today? Do you have any brokers These three questions um positionally have an index of zero one and two so in the question dictionary what i did was i converted the um list or the array to a key value pair such that the key is the actual question which is a string and the index is the value so using the index or either one of the two i can't really recall now maybe the index is the key and nah the the, the text is the key and the stuff is the value so um using that um using the string index key value pair i can also make another call to retrieve the previous message that was sent before the response of the person so if the previous response that was sent is um is a key in my dictionary or using like a get a get method on um, the hash map or the dictionary. If it exists, it's going to return the value. If it doesn't exist, it return none. So based on that information, I can process the, the message that the person sends. So once, once um, somebody sends um, a response, so let's say the first question, What I do is, I check for the last question, and when the last question, I get the last question, and the last message sent by the bot to that person. I then check to see if it it exists in the question um, dictionary. If it exists in the question dictionary, I then, um, I then, uh, what's the word? I then save that in the register using a unique key which is I think is a combination of the index and the um and the person's user ID. The reason why I use the user ID and the index is such that I can use a split method on the string to f- to break the uh in the user ID to the left and the index set of the question to the right, which will be important for when I'm I decide to store the um the data in a database so now this process i just explained going to be repeated for the three questions so at the end of the third question and when the final response of okay let's say i got it thanks for your response has been sent all the data that has been stored in the cache for a particular person is then processed and saved in the database so, um, but, like I said, initially, what I did was it had a timeout of four minutes per question, which gives like sixteen questions to um give a, a, a total of sixty minutes per person to answer the up. I had a, a pilot after working on it, and it failed woefully uh uh when that failed, I realized the issue the issue was that because of the nature of which i was working uh i was building the, the because of my 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 design decision right um i was instead of handing um the messaging in in the near asynchronous manner or in an synchronous manner it was so synchronous that each message that was sent to a person blocked the next message because i had a loop that was sleeping and stuff like that so um after the, the, the pilot i went back to the drawing board and i realized that the best way to do that is to break every message into every question asked into a separate prone function so what that ended up making me do is uh, it ended up making me have three different um three different phone functions. one for the first question so one for the second question one for the third question so the way they worked was the first um the first question sends the message to everyone once there's a response on anybody, and the message is streamed back to my server and I do the check that I explained with regards to um the text that was sent before the response of the of the user and I get the index once I get the index I know that this index really exists in my question dictionary, my question hash map, then I trigger the next the next question so it's more like a predication with regards to sending message so i'm doing like check if if the index of the message that was sent exists and the index is between 0, 1, and two between zero and one call the next um the next question so if the index is zero that means the next question that needs to be sent is the crone function for the second question. So that triggers the crone function. If the index is one, then the next question that needs to be sent is the crone function where um where the index is two. So those, those are the kind of predication that decisions I made in even the um the events in the in the route service that handles the event of um, Slack, the streaming event of Slack. Um, so that br- reduced the issues I was facing and removed the need for me to have a 60 minute timeout for each person. So when that level of problem was removed and I had tested out the whole flow, that means uh, I created, um, I triggered the standup bot with the standup slash command. I answered all the questions. Um, once I answered all the questions, I have completed the standup. And as a user, I have satisfied, or satisfied all, all my requirements re- with regards to standup. So back into our code base, after the process has been completed, there is a very short trip that needs to happen in our service. So what needs to happen is we need to retrieve all the previous messages. So once we check the the, the, the text that was sent by the bot, the last question sent by the bot, we can know if, um, and the, the index is true, all we need to do is we need to just like retrieve all the messages for a for a user. So we retrieve the user with the user ID and the index of zero, the user ID and the index of one, the user and the user the index of two. That returns data from Redis for the three um questions that was responded to. Once we do this, there's two decisions two decisions we, we have to make. Like there are two styles to it. We either clear the delete record in Regis or we um save the information in the database and only when the there is, it has been successfully saved in the database we then delete. I believe I took the second. So I Manipulated the data that re, that returned from Redis, converted them from a byte string to um, a, decoded them just from a byte string to a normal string. So I think it was decoded in either UTF eight or ASCII. I can't remember. I'm most likely going to be ASCII. Uh, nah, I don't know. But well, either one of the two. So once the, the 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 um byte string was converted to normal string. I saved. I inputted the information in a in another hash map that was then spread over the database entity. So this is the database class, which the ORM, uh, in my case, SQLAlchemy, then pushed to the um to the to the database. So um now that is after that happened, I then deleted the uh the redis record so another thing i think needs is mentioning is for each attempt at saving stuff to redis i um it has an expiry date or an expiry time and the reason why that is useful information is because it is we re- the, the resources that redis was sitting on was not infinite it is really finite. Um to be very candid, all this that I explained was done on a one gig instance, which is not a lot of which is a lot of compute power, but in terms of uh real server side deployment and what is really obtainable, um with load scale and all those good jars might not be the best instance to handle it because my be very candid my my redis was local so that means i was i decided to use a local redis in an attempt to save cost which also increased the the memory usage of of my instance so which means whatever amount was um used by i mean my my instance was a one gigram or is a one gigram so if the 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 data stored in memory increases and grows it potentially introduces the risk of my uh, instance running out of memory and that's killing my server. But that is a problem of scale and a problem that only occurs when you decide to serve a market to serve people. But if, you're, if you if especially if your company is under maybe let's say twenty five fifty it might not necessarily be a problem you might face because not everyone is even going to feel their, their stand-up anyways. So with an expiry time of C and R, I was assured that irrespective of the, the time and the decision of anybody to feel to complete their, their stand-up, um, within, if I was to automate the response process of of the of the bot like and what i mean by that you're sending out automated standups to each person i was very certain that um i was very certain that the m- last message a user sends is not going to be deleted even if they can another 20 minutes to to respond to the next question that was that's the reason for expiry and was also that if at the end of the expiry period the message the process of the stand-up has not been completed i release memory back to the instance so that can be reused later on for by either the server or by redis itself and so those were the decisions i made with regards to um computing resources um so after all this had worked, the next thing I needed to do was perform a periodic task. And what I mean by periodic task is if you work at a company and you you, you most likely stick with time. As let's say you want um you want um you want your, your standard process to start by 9 a.m. every day. So you need to like come up with a way to trigger that. So the way that that was triggered was to create a, another Chrome function that did a very particular thing, and what that did was the first thing I said it got uh it got all the members of Slack, of the Slack um what's it called Slack organization it got every member of the organization based on some filter. So I I filtered for people that have not been deleted for, for um, members of the organization that are not bots. So if, the, if they have not been deleted, they have not been deactivated, and they are not bots, the, the function that I wrote was going to return all, uh, all the members in the organization. And based on that decision, the next thing I did was I checked to see if there, there, there is also already a record for them in the database. So now, because some people might not want to be disturbed by, maybe they're already in their flow state at work and they don't want to be disturbed by the standard but they might have filled it earlier than the automated period. And if they fill it earlier than the automated period, that means that it doesn't make sense for them to be reminded to fill the standard again. So I did a check to see if the person has a record in the database. If the person doesn't have a record in the database, then I trigger uh the automated stand up for them. So that's give them salutation. I tell them the standup is about to start. So in that phone function, after I send the message that the stand-up is about to start or something about something along the line, the next thing I do is I trigger the phone job for the first question. If you recall we we recently discussed about how the questions were broken down into cone functions a few minutes ago. So that, all I need to do was just trigger the first question. Once I trigger the first question, the rest of the process will follow suit. So that was the that was the idea with regards to um that was the idea with regards to the automated um standard process. Another thing decision that I had to make was to prevent duplicates on each day every time somebody decides to use a slash command every if they have a record in the database already the data the record has to be deleted um yeah it might look funny saying that because let's say you feel a very detailed stand up in the morning and you need to change your priorities um it is repetitive to just um to, to use the slash command to just do this Yes, it deletes a record and you start over again, and might not be the best experience. But this is the easiest one, and I went for that. A very good experience would be to decide if you want to edit just a particular question. So let's say I, read, if, I if I was to do it again with time and ease of mind, and next, the slash command is edit edit record. So I could just ask, what question do you want to edit? Um return the question with with an answer if you want to something like if you want to answer the first question return one to answer the second question return to stuff like that I could just use that to predicate and get the quest, the record that they're interested in display what we have in the data store database rather then whatever response they now provide I cannot use the question ID to just update it. That is a very seamless seamless uh um process to be honest it's easier than filling the whole process but capitalism is this is a really nice so i just took the easiest way out so i could focus on my other task and there was diff- this is the i think the item of the case the final decision i made because i mean it's my but to be honest is at the end of every week um okay at the end of every week, a record is sent to everybody in the uh, in the organization for the record of their own response. For the week is sent to them, so they have a copy of what all the things they worked on that week. Then, for the stakeholders, a collective report of everything from the first day of the week to the last day of the week, which is Monday to Friday business working days, um, was sent. To them via email after these jobs have been done the database is purged and on monday the process starts again with the database on a clean slate now the reason i did that is because um one to save space it doesn't make sense collecting data that really has no value at the end of the day and what i mean has no value is what i did three weeks ago really doesn't matter right now because the the consequences of my decisions then had either caught up with me or made life better for me and for a computer to keep store all the stuff may not be necessary so and that's the end of how this slab port works um this the implementation i think works very well um is this um implementation able to serve other companies in Nigeria and Africa or West Africa? I, I would say so. Um there might be some bottlenecks that might need to change, such as the fact that um Redis and Postgres is being used locally. Um ideally the database should live somewhere else outside of the application. Um the Redis itself should sit outside of the applications of the application such that um the server itself has full control over the resources at its disposal. I mean what I mean is that even if I was going still going to stick with a one gig instance, I would be sure that the server has the ability to use as much memory as it wants to use for anything it wants to do um and the redis instance that is going to be using a lot of the memory sitting somewhere else might also be another one gig instance who knows and it can go as much as it wants can go as maybe in a day can go to 520 504 mb and before the end of the day it's back to one the the um the um instance is back to having a full memory of one gig because at the end of each day, or at the end of each hour, um, data is being purged out of the redis, which means that redis will always be empty at almost every hour. So that means even if there is data in redis, at the at every hour, a certain amount of data is lost, is being deleted because it has expired. Then at the database level, uh that also provides the ability for the data database to grow, but at the same time because of the way it has been orchestrated the only the only thing that is really going to happen the database is going to have basically right now the database only has max six different calls one is a write call the other majority are read, so the other four are read uh last one is a delete. Uh, so well read and delete so let me explain the first one create that's when stand up has been uh completed the the first read is to check if somebody has a record and the person has a record don't send an automated uh automated stand up to the person um another read is if you want to uh so another read is check to see if this person has a record if this person has a record delete it because person wants to refill their standup um another read, read is on friday where i check to get all the record for a particular person now th- that read is very intensive because i will be stepping through all the members of the organization to see if the person has a record or no i think we need to step through i just need to yeah i need to step through i need to use the user id of each member in slack to get a record of all that all their responses for the week so that is a really that's really read really intensive it's dependent one is dependent on the call to slack that returns um as with my function has been processed to return an array so the length of the array determines the the amount of read so it's an o of n of, uh, it's an o of n um logic and the final one is um the final read is the one that happens for organization that one is more like and it's more like a constant time thing because all you're going to do is just um call the database get all the information for the for the entire table with regards to an organization and then um and then send it as an email. So if this was to be expanded, there are a few things that need to happen. The bot needs to be improved such that it can be installed across different workspaces. And when it's installed across different workspaces, there needs to be in the server side of the of the of the bot, I would assume that there needs to be a a what's the word uh, I think the word is a way to store information that pertains to each workspace such that there is no data leakage between any of the workspaces, and that register attempts to use the bot and um the other thing that needs to happen is um okay, I think the other thing that needs to happen is there needs to be uh, some sort of keyword but server cost is really is really not cheap, or at the same time it's not outrightly expensive when you're starting out. So um and those kind of decisions means you need to integrate like third party services like Paystack, uh, Flutterwave, and maybe Stripe if you're thinking bigger than africa but i mean standard play is really big so why compete with the product externally like but it can just be like standard play for africa so then with regards to load i really know right now i don't think of any solution for load except for stuff like load balancing and load balancing is a function of you having multiple instances that <laughs> run the same server code and an application like Fast API and a an and a server like G Unicorn, you can spin up like at, well on the very least I know, of, maybe like two or maybe one extra worker. So it gives you the illusion of having two different servers running, and uh, which means that right now in production for me, I have I have one parent application and four child application running which gives the illusion that i have five servers running and the the my engine x which sits in front of my unicorn, kind of serves as a load balancer in a way that just drops the load to on whichever um instance whichever child instance or parent instance is available but load balancing is done on a bigger scale it's like having like three different instances like maybe linux instances running the same code so and then having another server sit in front of them that can now distribute the load to each of these instances now when the load gets into these instances cannot be distributed from um to any of the parent child processes that you have or if you just have one instance running so that's pretty much how i think can be expanded um the In the actual stand-up there are stuff like snooze, set a reminder, but I mean, like I said, those can come in when the scope of what is being built is being expanded. But for a very simple use case, I think what I have done serves its purpose. If I was to try to make money from it, the things I said at the latter are things I have to consider and going back to the database the only data that is always going to be cleaned is the table that has to store the stand-up information because from the discussion we just had it's really obvious that um that we are going to store other information like the the um workspaces that have installed this this um this bot and stuff like that yeah, that's my uh, that's my thought process on the Slack bot. Those are the decisions that were made or that I made. And right now, the, the bot has been working for, I think, the minimum of about six weeks. No, nah, six weeks is me being polite. I think it has been working since June. Yeah, it's been working since June. So June, July, this is August. So, so let's just say um a month plus, maybe a month three weeks, thereabouts. Actually, it's actually two months plus. Cause I, I mean, I think with the end of the month in mind. So yeah. Um, that's my offering on how stand up what was built and how i reversed mentally reverse engineered a product to create my own version of um of that same product thank you so much for listening and i hope you do have a great engineering week take care bye